Hey there, I'm Brian Cheatham. And I'm David Broussard. And we, we are, are the Cloud Whispers. So Brian, we'll go we'll go right into we'll go right into the into the personal stuff here. We and you and I worked together for a long time, and then you you left Catapult, and now you've come back. It's great to be working with you again. Absolutely. Great to be working with you as well. And what's really cool is, you know, when you left, you were doing a lot of infrastructure stuff. We'd worked together on a, on a uh, exchange migration at one point in time, yeah. but I really was in the SharePoint world. That's right. And, and it's really, what's cool now is the fact that our careers are actually starting to converge because of the cloud. That's right. And yeah, so absolutely. dealing with productivity and security in the cloud means that you've got to know some infrastructure and you've got to know some, some, some productivity stuff as well, don't you? Yeah. As you know, my background's in on-premises exchange. Ten years ago, I could have told you anything you wanted to know about a JET database and how to architect exchange storage and size exchange disks and those sort of things. Uh, we don't have to worry about that sort of thing anymore. Microsoft architects Exchange Online. They architect SharePoint Online. They architect all of these workloads and they run them in their data centers. When I think of convergence or productivity in Office 365, I think of an Office 365 group, the whole concept of an Office 365 group. Now we've got this, this foundation that includes an Exchange Online shared mailbox, the SharePoint site collection, which has a team site under it. And that lays a foundation for applications such as Teams which are completely transforming the way that we collaborate in Office 365 in the Microsoft Cloud. Yeah. Well, I, back in the day when I used to run my own Exchange server at home, 5.5, <laughs> way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. Because that's and everything was a public fun. folder, right? <laughs> everything was a public folder. Yeah, it was that way. So, uh, this is the Cloud Whispers podcast. Yes, and it is. And I want to let everybody know that uh, you should follow us on Twitter, at Cloud Whispers. And, uh, you know, we may add other things like a web page and Facebook group in the future, but uh, yeah. that's the best way to get, get, get information about this. And uh, we'd like for you to like and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you got it from. Our plan is, is every couple of weeks, maybe more often if we get around to it, but right now every couple of weeks, you'll be able to tune in to us and we'll tell you about things that we've learned in the cloud and problems that we've seen facing companies. Yeah, we work with these Office 365, these Microsoft cloud technologies every day. So we want to use this podcast as a stage for sharing our experiences with you. So our topic for today, this is something that uh, that I, I saw actually on LinkedIn from a friend of mine, Joe Stocker, and uh, he was referencing a, um, a, a, a conversation on Spiceworks' community uh, from Kevin Mitnick, who's from uh, the chief hacking officer of Nobifore, and they, he was pointing out a, a potential exploit. Now, I'll, I'll point out, this is a potential exploit. This is not seen out in the field. And what it he is... Proves he, it he, he proved that it can work. He proved that it can work. That's right. That's yep. exactly Absolutely. right. Yep. But what he has done is... is um, uh, Chenna Alonzo, one of the people that Kevin knows, actually went out and created a proof of concept in which he created a third-party integrated app ransomware exploit running in Office 365. Now, we're all familiar with ransomware, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we hate you it. You a customer last week, you got hit by it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been lucky. I've never had that happen to me or my customers. Ransomware, you know, it has tended to hit on-premise people right. a lot of times. What file servers. File, file servers. servers and, network, and it usually involves right. somebody 
you know, installing a, a link, right? They, right? they hit a link that, that hits a security exploit or downloads some executables right. on their files, on their system, and then it goes out and does things. What's interesting about this is the, this particular exploit is actually leveraging the integrated apps, the third-party integrated apps feature of Office 365. So Office 365 allows us to take third-party applications and we can grant them the ability to manipulate right. our O365 accounts and make changes to them. Migration software would be a good example. Migration software is yeah. a great example. Or I've seen ones that do um, a meeting organization, right? right? Sure. Where I say, hey, I want to schedule a meeting. And it goes and contacts everybody, looks at their schedules, and then actually creates a meeting bots, invite. Bots and teams. Bots and teams are going to do yep. the same kind of thing. Yep. Well, what's happened in this case is... Chenna has gone out and created one where you send a phishing email to somebody. You say, hey, and in this in the example he uses, hey, this is Microsoft, and we have a new anti-spam software right. that will help yeah. keep spam out it of here. It looks very legitimate. Very too. legitimate looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it says, click here to activate it. And so people click here. And then one thing we're all used to now from social engineering is up pops a box that says, you need to grant me these permissions. And just like you would see with the graph, Microsoft just like graph. you see with Microsoft, exactly. Yep. And and what does everybody do? They click yes. Yeah, sure. Why not? Right. Yeah. And and one of those is effectively it's read, write, delete, email. Exactly. So once this thing has been activated, effectively the user has allowed that third-party app to have full control of their mailbox, and then a malicious actor could use that to go out and encrypt the in-person's mailbox and then hold it at ransom. Yeah. That's the, that's the issue. So right. Brian, why don't, why don't you tell us about some of the ways that we can work around and, 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 and address this problem? Yes, yeah, certainly. I think first of all, we need to look at where this attack originates, right? It's coming from a phishing or a spoofing email. Somebody is spoofing someone else to get a message into someone's inbox, right? So how can we protect against that? So let's start there. First, we can look at SPF, Sender Policy Framework, which has been around for a long time. And then we can enable technologies such as DKIM, uh, which is enabled within Office 365 for your domains. And on top of that, there's a newer technology called DMARC, which works in combination with SPF and DKIM. And that really goes down to inside the envelope of the message, the actual from field itself, validating that the domain within that from field is who it actually says it's from. Uh, the second thing is I would look at adjusting the Exchange Online Protection settings, the default settings for spam. Um, by default, everything goes into the junk mail folder, right? So we can actually block, completely block the higher confidence spam. And then we can send the lower to medium confidence spam to a quarantine. So I, th I think those are good, good ways to kind of uh, prevent end users from getting these messages in the first place. And then finally, we look at end-user training, educating the users to think before they click. I mean, so let's ask the question, why would someone, why would you allow someone access to your mailbox? So a message that you don't know where it came from, you're allowing that sender to access your mailbox. Why would you do that? Um, so it's kind of the common sense angle. I think that really would resonate with end-users. So think before you click, right? Uh, teach the end users to think before you click and then notify the help desk or IT immediately if they see anything suspicious. Okay, with that said, 
Now we think about that one user that, that, that clicks on something that they shouldn't have. They see a message that comes in from the outside. They think it's from someone else like IT or whoever. They click on the message. In this case, let's break down what actually happens in the background, right? So this is a, this is a self-service nature of Office 365 by default. So the message comes into their mailbox. They click accept to provide this third party access to their mailbox. The first thing that happens is the application is actually registered in Azure AD. It's registered as an application that you can assign to other users, right? So this by default is how it's configured. Um, then the user consent is provided to this application, right? This is, we're talking about a permission that's set in Azure AD, that it's setting a permission in the background to say, this particular application has access to my mailbox and it lists out the permissions there right within that dialogue. Uh, and then finally, the application is actually added to the My Apps portal for the user. So now whenever they go to their My Apps portal within Azure AD, they're gonna see this application too. So what can we do to tone back this, this, this self-service nature of Office 365? Uh, the first thing that we can do is at the tenant level, we can disable that user consent option. The, the users are not allowed to allow third-party applications to access anything. Okay, so at that point, uh, it's an administrator that has to intervene, right? They have to do something. They have to register the app manually. Um, and then the other thing you can do is you can, you can actually attack this at the application level too. Within Azure AD, we can actually go in and disable sign-in for a particular application that has been registered. You know, these workarounds that you suggested, right, like turning off integrated apps, that will work, right, but it has the side effect of no integrated apps being out there that, that's right. that can work. And so that's the ones that you want to use. The yeah. ones we want to use. Yeah. Um, I think there's another option that says we could set it up to where only administrators could install integrated apps, yep. right? The problem with that, of course, is if we do that, it is actually putting more work on our IT administrations team uh, sure. to go out and do these Absolutely. things, yep. which we may or may not want to go through. That's right. It's also meaning that users are having to wait until that happens, which can cause problems as well. Yeah, defeating so, the whole purpose of you know uh, self-service and all that. Exactly. Yep. And, and so when I think about it, though, I, I was thinking a lot about, um, you know, it'd be great if we could actually, as administrators, go into a console and be able to control each individual permission and, allow, and, and say, can users do this or not do this? And so giving full control over your email inbox might be something that we block, right? right? Uh, but even then, or, or it requires a, an approval to get through and do that. So that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get past that. But it got me thinking what you mentioned also earlier, which is how do I prevent this from happening? How can I reduce the likelihood that I will get hit? And so this is where the, uh, the Enterprise Mobility and Security Suite Level 5 can actually be very useful to it. In EMS 5, E5, I've got the ability to use advanced threat protection, okay. which will block malicious links. Okay. Right. So that's one thing I can do. So, safe links the, so theoretically, the safe links feature would stop this link. Once Microsoft recognizes that exactly. this is a phishing attack, Once they Microsoft would block the link. Yep. And, if, so, and so nobody could click on it in the first place. That would help. Uh, another thing we could take a look, as you mentioned, is the cloud app security feature. right? Okay. And so what we can do there is we can use that to go out. And we should be, if we have E5, we should be grabbing our network traffic loading it into CAS, and then 
that will show us what applications people are actually using inside of our corporate network. Right. Now, that won't help somebody who's on the road all the time, but it would at least let us know. Yep, yep. But if I go out there and suddenly discover, you know, here's the 150 to 250 apps people are using, Microsoft does a great job of telling us the security and reliability of those apps. Absolutely. You know, and, and it even breaks it down into great detail about the different sub areas inside of there of, of you know, is is this thing, uh, is it using the right kind of security? Is it using TLS? Is it encrypting its, its data in, in transit, encrypting at rest? And so if you look on there and you suddenly see an app that's got a, a score that's, flag, right? that's yeah. flagged yeah. as a zero or a one on right. a one to 10 scale. It's a risk score, right? That's it's a, it's, exactly, yeah. it's a risk score. Yeah. I could then set up my system to block people yeah. from, from accessing that particular application. And so on the one hand, I can use the EMSE5 to pr hopefully prevent the link from being uh, clicked on. Right. But even then, I can also see, because I could see there being a delay between somebody accepting this and it actually firing off, right? Yeah, because, because, because if you think about it, once somebody figures out, if you've gotten into one person inside of a company, you don't want to just grab their email. You want to grab as many as you can. Right, exactly. So yeah. that would be the other thing and I, I would think about. And you get contacts and all the other things too, right? Your calendar. And, all and that. use that to send more phishing emails out. All right, so so I think we've we've talked about our topic, right? Okay. And so what I want to do now is, is is I'm going to ask a couple. Of, I'm going to ask Brian an exit question. He's going to ask me one. Tell me something that you've learned since the last time we had this podcast, which was never, which right? Was never. <laughs> well, that would have to be a long conversation. <laughs> Just one thing you've learned. Actually, what was really cool is uh, we're working with a customer right now. Uh, it's kind of a data warehouse uh, type of project, mm -hmm. and. This girl that goes through all of their information from all their different applications. Uh, it's called a user access audit is the name of the project. And she pulls all of this information out via SQL from these 40 different applications. And she puts it into Excel spreadsheets and she does VLOOKUPs. It takes her a month to do this hmm. every quarter. So uh, I've been working with uh, Jamali from our, uh, from our app dev team, okay. and he's doing some uh, SQL Server integration services work, mm -hmm. um, pulling that information out, triggering it automatically to run once a month, and then we are pulling it in, joining it into a single table, mm -hmm. and from there, we're producing uh, reporting services reports, mm. data-driven uh, subscriptions, so it automatically produces all the Excel spreadsheets that she would produce manually. But what's really cool is we're taking that information and we're uploading it to SharePoint Online and we're triggering a workflow with uh, Microsoft Flow. Okay. And that actually takes care of the email process because part of the thing that she does is she takes all of these different Excel spreadsheets per manager mm -hmm. and emails 267 different managers. Wow. Manage the entire process via email and we put that all in a workflow in Microsoft Flow for her. Wow. Yeah. So that's saving an awful lot of time. A lot of time. That's great. And they're not cluttering up their email That's right. with all these attachments. That's right. You will hear David and I say a lot, get out of email. Go somewhere else. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of getting out of email, I'll tell you the thing I, I found out, actually found out today. Um, we've been, I've been slowly convincing people to stop using Skype for business meetings okay. and start using Microsoft Teams meetings. I love you for that. Uh, and I'll tell you, I love the Teams client. I especially love the fact that when I click join on my phone, I'm usually in the call, in the conference call, in less than 10 seconds. Yep. Um, whereas with Skype for Business, it would often sometimes take a minute 
sure. for it to get through all of the process of joining. And if it had to call me back, it was re a real mess. Yeah, the client's just not as efficient. It just it isn't. Yeah. Uh, the team's client's very efficient. It, it just works. That's what I love about it. Yeah. But one of the things that's been a pain with it is you had to have the desktop app loaded if you were going to actually join a meeting. Really? And that has now been solved. You can now join meetings from the web client. So I, you can join them from your desktop client, you can join them from your phone, and now you can join them from the Teams web application and so all you do is click the button and it brings up the and you can share your you can share your video, you can share your screen. I just it is it's, it, it 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 almost brings a tear to my eye how pretty it is. Yeah. And what's very interesting too is it you, the just the structural aspect of it and the organizational aspect of, of a team, right? You think about that and you do a meeting in there, you're able to record it and when you go back and reference that, right? You don't have to go back and look in a folder for a, mm -hmm. you know, a Skype recording or anything like that. It's within that team. It's within that channel, you know, yep. wherever you recorded yep. it. So I think it's a beautiful You know, that, that sounds like a great topic for another show. Sounds you like know? it. Well, do it. I, I want to thank you guys for listening to the inaugural edition of the Cloud Whisperers. Go out and follow us on Twitter, at Cloud Whisperers. I'm on uh, Twitter as Brusa. Are you on Twitter as well, I am, Brian? I am, at Get Cloud Savvy. At Get Cloud Savvy for Brian to follow us individually, but you yep. know, do please do follow the show channel as well. And uh, you know, if, if you like this, let us know. If you've got questions for the Cloud Whisperers, you can certainly uh, uh, post them to our Twitter account or DM us at that at that location, and we will be happy to answer them in a future upcoming episode. Absolutely great. Well, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next time.